Welcome to another episode of the Comedy Mom Podcast. I am Katie Ipok, your comedy mom. And this is a little break from what we have normally been doing. I've got Stuart Wilson here and Jubal Chap as well. I don't think Jubal knows what's going on right now. I'm but good. <laughs> And I want to ask these guys what their first open mic was like. So, Stuart, tell us the story of how you lost your comedy virginity. Okay, so uh, I've always wanted to do comedy. And... Um, I'd been coming to Craft Kitchen and Brewery, which is a wonderful place for all these open mics, just to watch it and kind of get the the gist of what it was going to be like. And I seen like, you know, five to ten people that weren't uh, open mics here. So I was like, okay, that's a perfect, you know, nice small crowd to kind of break the ice. And then uh, the day I showed up, uh, I counted thirty-eight people who were not um, <laughs> comedians, <laughs> and. Uh, I knew within the first two minutes that I wanted to do this for a long time. So, you're confirming my theory, right? That you do your first open mic and either you catch the bug or you don't. Yeah, exactly. You definitely yep. caught yep. that bug. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give somebody who's thinking of doing their first open mic? You just got to do it. You can't... Uh, you just got to... How do I say this without <laughs> being not PC? <laughs> it's a podcast. Um, you just gotta pull your pants up and fucking do it. That's the heart, you know. It's I have high anxiety, and I first tried practicing with uh, karaoke, but all that did was uh, cause me to have a drinking problem. But um, yeah, you just have to. You just have to go for it. There's no. Don't make excuses. Quit telling yourself, "Oh, next week, next week." You'll then five years will have happened, and you will never have done a set. So just fucking do it. Just do it. Yeah. How much? effort did you put into prepping your first set oh god um i would like to say a lot (laughs) but it was probably less than i should have actually i only made it three minutes and 14 seconds i think on my first one i thought i'd overdid the time and you know as comedy mom i love to tell you guys what to do um i always tell people all the time especially in your first open mics in any open mic, I don't care if you don't make it to five minutes. I just care if you go over. Yeah. So that's it's good. Um, how long have you been doing comedy now? Oh God, I started in August of 2018, so almost a year, coming up on a year. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done probably 150, 160 sets, and my hands still sweat, and I'm still nervous on stage. <laughs> But I don't pinch my elbow no more, and I don't play with the mic cord as much as I used to. So, to toot my own horn here, why don't you play with your elbow anymore, Stuart? Because <laughs> the lady who runs the comedy shows pointed it out to me, <laughs> and I didn't even realize it was happening. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, look, look, look at all these photos in this video. I was fucking squeezing my, yeah, I was pinching my elbow the whole time. My weenus. I think you can say it now. <laughs> yeah, we can say it. We can say fucking... Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what Jubal's referring to is I was on a, a, a very classy radio show the other day, and I said fuck on live TV, but oh, the radio, no radio the radio execs, or yeah, live radio, radio, the radio execs missed it, the announcer's husband missed it, and the only person who actually caught it was Jubal. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about a, a radio show I do, and uh, my husband listens to every show, so I called him as soon as I got in the car. And I, you know, I always ask the same question: How was it? He gave me his feedback, and I was like, "Did you catch the f bomb?" And my husband was like, "No." And I was like, "Well, okay, <laughs> we're probably okay." <laughs> Shoot. So, Jubal, what was your first open mic like? 
um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was an old um, uh, open mic in Eugene that's closed down called the Brick Wall uh, Comedy Mic, and Seth Milstein runs it. He 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 does a lot of different things. But I was I was way over prepared actually, because <laughs> I you know I like practiced and my idea was I would just kind of do this character like I knew what I was already like kind of pretend like I knew what I was doing but 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 I knew I wouldn't be that good so it was like I just kind of do like this this overconfident bad comedian character and I actually uh, when I went there there was you know, there's a couple other comedians who just getting getting started that are now still doing it Tyler Jones and um, Davis I um, can't remember his first name or Jason Davis uh, who have both gotten really good, but they weren't very good, and there's some other people who weren't very good. But then Seth had like three friends come in that were all professionals, and they did long sets and everything. So it got really late, and I waited, kind of pretending like, oh, he was like, well, you can go up. I was like, no, I'm good. And then I, I waited and waited because I knew I wasn't very good. But again, I was kind of pretending. So so I, I when I did go up, I, I went really long, didn't know much about the comedy scene and the ladies trying to put away her dishes <laughs> and <laughs> and I was doing like I don't know it was crazy stuff that I wouldn't try now but uh but um and I actually I, I wear dentures and the character that I developed I called himself I called him the toothless old comic and so I ended up taking out my teeth uh which I would never do again <laughs> on stage uh, like like the first way through and like putting him in a, a, a glass, a water glass. And there was like one kid there who came down from Medford and he was kind of, um, he was a little right. And I think he was missing some of my sarcasm and he thought I was sort of pro-Trump, but I was doing all these kind of goofy anti-Trump things. But like, but like there was stuff like uh, the election I had just happened, and it was like, we won, we won, man, we won, we won. And I was, like, being really exaggerative, but he was kind of getting into it. He ended up taking a little picture of my teeth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of funny. So, Jubo, how long but have you been doing comedy? That, it's almost exactly three years from then, because it's December, I think. Uh, so it would be about three years. You know, I remember then, I, like he's saying, I had the bug, because I went, as I, I was driving home, and I was just, just fired up from doing it and I hadn't I didn't really do that good but I just knew that I could do it and, and you know but but that and that's sort of that's sort of what it is like you got to get up and do it like the, the next question um, yeah you know, is, is sort of no that's that's what young comp you know if you want to do it you just got to get up and try it and do it a few times and, and see if that's what you you know you some people will do it a little bit for you know six seven months and decide ah, I'm not, you know even get kind of good and then not it doesn't you know it doesn't really matter like you know some people will really you know be like stew and really catch it you know but but you got to try it and Stuart you're in an interesting position right now you're in a smaller town than even Bend is <laughs> right so if you times the population of where I live by twenty you still wouldn't have as many people <laughs> as Ben. So you don't have an open mic? No, there's no, there's no, there's not even a variety mic. There's no kind of nothing. There's karaoke on Saturdays. 
Sometimes I'll do a set at the end, but by that time I'm shit-faced, <laughs> and it's bad. And people are like, dude, your karaoke's fucking great, but your comedy kind of sucks. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks. You're the ones who asked me to do it, you asshole. <laughs> but that, that's where I was kind of leading. You're still finding ways to perform, even in a really small town. Oh, yeah, I, I, I push for it. I, I push real hard for it, because it's, like I said before, high anxiety, depression, all this other shit. It's a... Uh, Oh, shit. Okay, uh, make a long story short, I've been clean off hardcore drugs for 15 years on this coming up June 1st. Yeah. I don't take any kind of pharmaceuticals or, or depression pills or nothing like that, and I was in a real bad place when I started comedy, and it just kind of lightened my mood. It made me more open for uh, just everything. Yeah. I, he just told me he, he quit smoking weed for a while now, which is surprising because we used to always smoke weed together. Oh, yeah, I was a huge stoner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was surprising, but not really. But that's sort of, you know, comedy or anything, mm -hmm. you know, different reasons to do that. I probably went the other way. Yeah. Started drinking again. But <laughs> well, I, I drink more now but, that I don't smoke pot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doing way better drinking again. Yeah. <laughs> so, as someone who used to smoke weed, you're mm -hmm. cleaning up now, and someone who does, what, I, I don't. Every yeah. time I smoke weed, half my face goes numb, I can only walk I know, in I a circle. I remember you on the 420 show, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Larry so, was the most fucked up, though. <laughs> Larry. He looks, his eyes said fear, but everything else said he was having a good time. <laughs> he smoked all of them. So, I don't, I'm not able to provide kind of advice for, like, how much weed to smoke before you get on stage. Would you... Do either of you have advice for that? Oh, shit. I do. Um, less than you would normally smoke for, like, a movie or something, because it it will make you paranoid, and if uh, slightly less than what you'd expect, because you kind of get a rush from being on stage already. So if you're blitzed off your ass and you aren't normally that high, that on top of the, the comedy rush, it, it can fucking go south real <laughs> fast. <laughs> yeah. I would say... Like pretty much what he said, but it pretty much depends on, on on how what you're used to. For me, if I if I would if I have a serious show, I'm not going to smoke a whole lot before it, but I might smoke a little right before it because my I'm pretty much best the way I, I smoke a lot with my first like high of the day where it kind of brings my head up. And I think smokers know what I'm talking about. You know, we're, we're, that's where I do a lot of my writing in the morning. When I first smoke a little pot, I do a lot of writing. And so that's stimulating. And I know that's like when I'm at my best. So if it's, a, it's an important thing, you don't want to be in that recreational mode, like he's saying. Like you just, mm -hmm. like you're smoking, watching a football game or watching, yeah. you know, hanging out. Or, you know, yeah. because yeah. that'll dull your, your senses, obviously. And you're not going to be as sharp. And you need to be sharp to be to, to be at your best doing comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's really important. I'm I'm older too, so it's hard. You know, that's another thing I have to you know deal with is getting tired. Even you know at 50, 51. <laughs> sometimes my you know I'm a lot sharper in the morning too. But 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 if I don't smoke, you know, I'll smoke a little if it's an important thing. And then right before it, I might smoke a smoke a bit, but it'll bring me up, and I'll be you know I'll be in that funny kind of funny mode. But here is also another tip for a first-time stand-up person that also smokes weed. Just smoke a little bit before your set, but have your pipe loaded or your joint ready in your pocket for right after your set so you can sprint off property and, you know. Right. Because I, I used to, 
I'm not as bad anymore, but you can ask Katie. When I would first started, I've done 170 shows, 160 shows roughly, and my hands don't shake anymore. My hands just get a little clammy now, but I would violently shake almost after my sets just because I don't like being in yeah, public and it's talking. It's good for and, either one. Like it's good to celebrate if you did good and to calm yourself down so you can sleep. And it's good to, you know, if you bombed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it helps you calm down and it also helps you speak yeah, from being calm sad. down yeah. a little bit. <laughs> right. No, that's a good advice if you're a smoker to, you know, that's something you probably want to do right after. Mm-hmm. I was a huge heavy <laughs> I'd probably smoke an eighth a day on top of oil pens and joints and all this other stuff, but uh before my sets, I would smoke maybe an hour and a half, two hours, would have a good session. So by the time I made it to the set, I was calmed down enough to be able to take, you know, two or three hits off the pipe and then be comfortable when I was on stage. But I've also been too high on stage before, and that's almost worse than bombing because you're still getting those laughs, but you're like, are they laughing at the jokes? Are they laughing at me? Like, what? Yeah. Ah. Well, well, then you weren't too high because too high is, is going up. And forgetting everything, and that's that's and, the, that's yeah. the, the the peril of being hot, you know. Because sometimes it can actually be an asset. Like Seth was telling me once, I went up at in Eugene, I, I went did one of his mics, and I'd been um, uh, trimming all day, and I ate some edibles, and I was way too high, and I said that on it, and he came up right away. I don't think you can be too high to do comedy, but sometimes, I don't know. Again, it's just your your personal opinion mm-hmm. and and how what works for you. But but if you're you know if you're too dull to think of anything and you're just kind of doing a uh, you know that's not going to be funny so yeah so you gotta you gotta you know you gotta at least bring yourself up or, you know it can't be too too um, unless that's your your thing yeah you know? unless that's your style <laughs> yeah right and that's one thing too most comedy or comedians that are first starting out don't realize is you have to pick your style like uh, um, I'm just gonna use Larry Find as an example. Voice. Yeah, the first time I seen Larry Lloyd, he's one of my favorite comedians that I've worked with. Um, the first time I seen him, I offered him a ride home because I thought he was shit faced because of his style. Like, Me uh, too. Um, he's not really that drunk. He just plays a, a old drunk guy. <laughs> he's not really like that. Very well, very yeah. convincingly. Yeah, sure. I've seen it happen countless times. People are like, "You hey Larry, you need a ride home." Like, he's like, "No, I'm fine." He's like Bobcat Goldthwait. Or, uh, uh, <laughs> Bobcat. Uh, Not Bobcat. I was trying to think of a few too, but I can't. Yeah, no, Bobcat's the guy that was in Police Academy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Bobcat. yeah, he's not like that at all, and he actually hates that part of his comedy career. Because people yeah, still want that crazy guy that comes out in the bathtub naked, you know what I mean? They still want that, but he's not, he's not that guy. So, one last question. So, something I've talked about in the last couple episodes of this podcast is about, like, what makes a good set or what makes you bookable. So... What do you guys think makes a good set? Oh shit! I'll be. I'll start if you if you want to think. Um, for me, what makes a good set is a. You, it's important to get some laughs pretty quick, right? Because if you can get two or three minutes of some laughter, they're with you, and then and then you can tell some stories and again have a finish so so you have to have you have to have a start and a good finish and then you can play a little in the middle because you'll have the audience with you and so so like my my and also 
but know like your voice what do you say once you find your voice you'll kind of know you can if you're a one-liner guy it's almost easier because you can get them going pretty fast go with your best one-liners to start obviously go with the ones you just wrote in the middle and then finish with your you know again your best stuff but like like me i try to do both so i'll i'll, I'll often start with one-liners and and get as much you know get them going and get in a rhythm where they're laughing in a rhythm and then they'll start to kind of laugh anytime like like they'll rap they'll continue the rhythm you know and, and continue to laugh even when you're not you're telling a story now so 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 then you can tell your story and then i'll have i try to have something to finish with so so that, i think that that makes a good set you don't pull it off that often that's why it's a good set right yeah. <laughs> you know but but you, but when you pull that off you know it and you you can feel it and and you'll usually have a real good finish and you know, you know whatnot anything to add to that Stuart? yeah jubal's right on the money if i had to put it into numbers um i would like 80 percent of the people to love it 10 percent of the people to hate it five percent of the people to gasp and then five percent of the people to leave <laughs> Comedy mom says that's a little hardcore, but whatever. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, um, you always gotta like keep pushing. If you start to lose the crowd, like the, the one, of some of the best sets that you do is like you get them in the beginning and then you lose them. But then before your time's over, you're able to bring them the crowd back to you. You know where they're they're laughing again. You know they go from you know laughing a lot to like none of this shit's funny at all to like oh fuck this guy is actually funny you know well or well if it, it's it's hard to, to pull it off but it should always be somewhat interesting if you can keep your like even silence like sometimes comedians will say silence is is horrible but actually noise is horrible like if there's a bunch of if they're talking to them they're talking and stuff and they're going off that's the worst if they're silent but paying attention you at least you have it, and, and if you have something to make them laugh at some point, or you you get some experience to where you can come up with something to make them laugh, it's not always horrible because you're 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 creating. There's attention. They're they're paying attention. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. Anything you're doing on stage is that you have them paying yeah. attention. So so being so, ignored is worse. Definitely. Again, you know, if you have enough laugh, you got some laughs. You got that, that you plan. You've done for a while. You know you're going to get laughs, right? So you can do those. But if you but if you have their attention and you're, you're putting a lot into your stories, you can go for a couple of minutes without getting a laugh all the time. You know, as long as, again, you can finish good or, you know, like you're saying, there might be going, oh, this is sad or this is. But that's all that's all part of theater. Right. So mm -hmm. so if you can, as long as they're paying attention, really, yeah, think, the comedy this is something I got from other like comedians saying it's got to be at least if it's not funny, it's got to at least be interesting. And when it can't be as boring, you can't start be talking to each other. And, right. You know, going off. All right. Well, we should probably wrap this up because I know Corey would like to get out of here. <laughs> so we should probably get out. So thank you, Stuart Wilson. Yes. And thank you, Jubal Chaplin, for having this conversation with me. This has been another episode of the Comedy Mom Podcast. And as always, my motherly advice to you, take your vitamins, take good care of yourself, and don't be a dick on stage. Mm -hmm.